0: you.
1: And imagining things it's a brand new program here on open lines radio it is Sabbath Shalom with brother Doug brother Doug is joining me hello hello brother Doug
0: how are you <laughs> good good
1: <clears throat> Doug uh, Doug reached out to me after we haven't talked to each other in a couple years and said he wants to do a show so yeah <laughs> here it yeah. is.
0: <laughs> yeah that's what we did I'm excited.
1: Right on. So, well, have you how have you been?
0: Things have been good, man. Uh, just uh, hanging out here and uh, listened to your your couple of your episodes a few weeks back, and you talked about some stuff, and I thought this would be kind of fun. And <laughs> I
1: I like the idea of brother Doug because it's a
0: little bit of a play on on things, but let's give it a shot.
1: If you haven't if you haven't figured it out by now. Doug and I are brothers.
0: Yeah, they probably, every <laughs> once in a while, won't know who's who. So well.
1: so uh, what, what have you been thinking? What have you been thinking about?
0: Okay, so um, a little bit of background for anybody who will be listening. I, I used to teach social studies, and um, you had a, a topic you were talking about, you were saying something about time, and it made me think about something that happened. And the lesson I used to to give in social studies, and so I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about um, connections people feel to places, and connections people feel to, like, artifacts, but I want to set up this story first. So, do we, we, you want to jump in now, or what do you want to do? Well,
1: which, w- I talk a lot about time, mm-hmm. what, what particular, which one, was it about how uh, there is no time?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, no, and time just, like, keeps going. And- oh, right, right, right. And stuff in the past, like, what is our connection to stuff in the past, you know? Do we yeah, really feel connection to stuff in the past?
1: Yeah, it's just kind of like, it's, it's a memory. Explore. It's weird. Yeah, jump in. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say.
0: Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> all right. So, I, when I taught geography, so I have to back up with this. It's a little bit of social studies stuff, but it won't We've take too We've got nothing long. but time, Doug. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so... uh when we look at geography, we have this concept of location. We location seems like a really silly basic concept, but it's super important in social studies because in geography where stuff is matters a ton, like where certain resources are in impacts where industries are, where certain populations are located and where certain religions are located have an impact on cultural um, factors and politics and, and the daily life. Right. And so, Uh, it just has this huge influence. And so location is this kind of key component in geography. And when you look at the location of something, there are four main components to something's location. And the first three are like the X, Y, and Z coordinates, right? So um, the X and Y would be our latitude and longitude. You're at a certain latitude and longitude. I'm at a certain latitude and longitude. Um, And then the third one would be that Z factor. So for example, you and I could be, um at the same latitude and longitude but you're on the third floor and i'm on the first floor so um that z is the elevation right so we follow with that so far so you got you got latitude longitude elevation
1: place on the globe totally
0: and (laughs) then the fourth factor is is time so you know an hour from now you and i probably won't be at the same latitude and longitude and so i used to use that as an example in social studies of why why it's important to go to to historical places and culturally relevant places because you could go when you when you are going to say like a historical site the only thing separating you, you are seventy five percent of seventy five percent there you're seventy five percent connected to the past the only thing that's separating you from that event in the past is time right, right. and and so um, years ago I went on this history tour from Boston to Philadelphia and we went to John Adams' house, and that was really meaningful to me because I, I had just read the book, and HBO just did their series on John Adams, and so was, I was geeking out on it quite a bit. And um, I remember sitting in there, and in the, you, you're in the kitchen, in the Adams' house kitchen, and they have this grandfather clock that was there at the time, and they wind it up, and you hear the ticking, and they make this big deal about, that's the same tick-tock that they heard. And while I was in there, I'm like leaning up against this wood contraption, and, and then it's cause it was this big crowded room and we're all kind of packed in there. And the tour guide goes over and she's like, and this over here, this thing I was leaning against was, is Abigail Adams butter churner. She uses this every day. And she taught, you know, and so like, I'd had this weird, this weird, like metaphysical experience of like, oh my gosh, I'm touching the same thing Abigail Adams touched. Right. right. And, um, and so I kind of relate that to the students of go visit these places cause you're connecting with these people in the past and you feel this this presence in a weird way and then we went to like independence hall in philadelphia where the um the the decoration of independence is signed and you just feel this weird and part of us because i'm into history and that's what i taught and, and all that stuff but you feel this connection and and i still kind of am into that where like when if we go somewhere new i i want to go to those places that are either culturally relevant or historically relevant just because. I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to see those things and to connect with those things. But then, so then something happened at, at my house that really kind of rattled my idea there. You there? It just, it just connected. All right. And so, um, so the address to my house is 666, right. And, um, and I live a, a block away from a cemetery. And so when we, when I was teaching, I used to joke around with the kids all the time of, of, hey, so when we're talking about location, we talk about absolute versus relative location. We talk about addresses and stuff. So so my address is 666 and I live next to a cemetery and um, r- rumor has it is that a, a kid died there and... In your house. In my house. And I would kind of just use it as a joke because I think it, it was a rumor but people uh, would always just, it's like, well, it's the 666 house that's near the cemetery. And so... And so I always viewed this thing as a rumor. And um, one day we're uh, just—it was just a standard Friday evening—and um, Jamie, my wife, one of her old friends, who her mom lives out of town, and she was in town with, with her daughter, and they were dr- driving around. And in the 1980s, they lived a block away from our house, so they were the street behind us, and they were just driving around and knew that uh, that Jamie lived here now. And so they came and knocked on the door and we're just catching up and talking to her. And um the mom's like, "So do you you know what happened in this house, right?" And and Jamie's like, "No, I no, we we'd heard rumors, but we you know who knows." She goes, "Yeah, and in, in you know the 1980s there was um a family who lived in this house and um it, it was a mom whose husband was traveling a lot so the mom was by herself a ton and there she had some foster children and one of the foster uh, children was was a special needs um girl about five or six years old and um she ended up killing her and and so they talked about that and jamie told me she was reluctant to tell me because she had once she had she was the first one who heard the rumor and when she told me she told me it like it was like 11:30 at night and it was dark and and like i was like super spooked and, and I didn't appreciate it. couldn't sleep at all that night. And so she was reluctant to tell me, but she told me. So I was like, what? And so I, I do this huge this huge uh, Google search. And I find um, in the newspaper archives that, yeah, that could actually happen. Find the name of the girl. Find the name of the mom. The mom's still at the point of the mountain in the prison. And um, And it actually happened. And so the spooky thing about this is, and this is weird, and I know it makes me sound like Glenn Beck, right? But, <laughs> but here's the deal: is it happened on December twelfth, which is the address or the the date of twelve twelve, right? Which is six plus six um, right. going on there. And then um, the next morning, after we find out, because the kids woke up before us and they were downstairs in the basement, um, uh, just playing like video games and hanging out and doing whatever. I go down and, and I'm talking to to my daughter and she's, she says, dad, were you flashing the lights? And so I go up running up to, um, up to Jamie and like, no, Millie says that they're flashing the lights there. There's some, something going on in the basement. Like I'm just like totally spooked <laughs> and rattled by this. And Jamie's like, no, don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's nothing. And then she calls me a couple, Jamie calls me a couple days later cause I was at work and she was, she was home. She was on the treadmill in the basement. She's like, the lights are flashing. The lights are flashing. And, um, and so we kind of had this little stretch where the lights kept on flashing in the basement for a little bit there. And, um, and, and again, it sounds weird, but like I was, we'd be sitting in the kitchen and you could see the stairwell to the basement. Um, and, uh, it would be three thirty three and the lights would be flashing and it would just spook me out. And so this whole thing just like rattled me big time for for months and this has been probably like 3 or 4 years ago since we found out and so i don't i'm not i don't feel as, as spooked by it right now but at the time it totally messed with me and part of it's just because like it's it's scary it's a house at 666 by the cemetery that um a, a girl was killed in right and um and my kids were were a little bit younger than they are now and so the, you know my daughter was not too far off in age from what this girl was and it just felt like this house wasn't my house anymore um and uh and this house just a little bit of background i bought this house and it was like in the in the dead of the financial crisis and um it was a bank-owned home it was in really bad shape and i just and i was teaching and i had some summer time off and so i would i had spent this time fixing it up and felt like i'd created this house and like within just a moment. It just felt like it wasn't mine anymore, and um, and I had like this whole thing. I used to talk to to students, and it was always like in the back of my mind. Of you know, the only thing separating you from that event is time. You are seventy five percent there, and every time I'd walk by where it happened, I would just just get the chills. And even sometimes now, I walk by and I get the chills when it happens. Are,
1: are your lights still flashing?
0: No. Okay. So so I um I opened up the. I'm like I have to get in here. It's got to be, it's got to be something in the wiring. And so I did take apart the light. I redid every, redid every um, wire. Just made sure every connection was in there. And I haven't had it flash since. But I, every time if at, at nighttime if I walk by, I'm like I'm so nervous that the light's going to flash because I don't know what I'm going to do. But but it like doesn't
1: need a flash anymore. It's already it's on.
0: already and the message is already is already been given. But and so here's the thing I, that's, that's, here's the thing I wanted to discuss is, is, you know, when that, after that happened, I, like I had, I, I had to almost really divorce myself from this idea of, yeah, you, what happened in the past, there's no connection, right? It just, that was like my coping mechanism. No time just keeps moving and it just goes and stuff happens, but you move on and it just, and it goes. And, um, and I've remembered feeling that way a little bit. Like, uh, I've had some people who I've been really close to die, and and when and when they die, like you're in this state of like really deep mourning, and and you hear people talk all the time about how it just it feels weird that I I feel so rattled by this event, yet like everybody else in the world just keeps going, right? Like time just keeps going, and and life goes on, and so that's where. Where I kind of that was my coping mechanism a bit was was to say like, um, no th- no stuff doesn't matter and and you just move on and now I've landed a little bit kind of both you know I don't think it's exclusive um, or mutually exclusive where it's it's one or the other I think yeah it's true like like time goes on and and stuff that happened in the past just moves on but I do think that there's some something like relevant to connecting the past. Cause if you look at pretty much any, any major world religion that has a, a single founder, um, pretty much every single one of those religions has a component where people will go back and visit um, events in that founder's life, right? We see it in Christianity. We see it in, in Islam. It's one of the five pillars of Islam as you go back to Mecca. Um, you see it in Buddhism. And, and I think people feel a connection to places a lot and people feel a connection to artifacts, and so that's that's a little bit of where I want to go have you have you experienced that a bit where you feel a connection to a place in the past or <clears throat> or to a thing that has like this meaningful experience?
1: when you were talking about um your trip, your history trip yeah to uh, colonial the colonial u s yeah it, it was thinking uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, when you go to the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam, uh-huh. And, and from the street, it just looks like a building, you know, because it's kind of been encased now. It's right. Kind of like, it's kind of like the Anne Frank house is like in the center of this other building now. And, and it's kind of sterile. And, but when you, you go through there and there's this part where you go into a room mm-hmm. and there, she, when she was there, she didn't like the, the plain walls, So she had cut out pictures out of magazines and like glued them to the wall. Yeah. And they're still there. <laughs> and then, yeah. like it, it seemed like that like when I went into the room and you saw the the pictures that were pasted to the wall, that's where and it it's it does it gives you it just takes you there. Yeah. Being in that place and like and suddenly and it was like so I don't I don't want to say depressing, it was just heavy. Yeah. It was really heavy there. And I was, yeah. it, was it was a kind of a life altering like it changes you. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. you go When you go through there.
0: I've I've heard the same thing about like when people go to Auschwitz, you know, the concentration camps where it's just, it feels like this is a place where this horrible atrocity happens and there's like a weight to it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But people always, always ask me if I believe in ghosts or when people ask me like, Hey, do you believe in ghosts? You know, that conversation comes up. Right. I don't, my answer is always, I don't know that I believe in, like a conscious, right? Ghost, right? But I do believe in um energy, uh-huh. and so I think I think like residual energy, especially in the location. So it's especially when something tragic happens because that's like this flash of energy mm-hmm. where it has its chance to stick there. And I yeah. I don't think it's like a conscious entity like going around with thoughts yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just this energy that's just continuing to play out in its place
0: yeah i think there's something to that because um like i was saying before there's been there've been a handful of people who have who've died who i've been pretty close to and um there's this weird sense afterward where you almost want to go you want like part of the coping and, and mourning process a little bit, at least for me is I wanted to go to the spot where they died, you know, cause it's like this, this, you have these huge demarcation points in somebody's life. You have like their birthplace and their death place and these flashpoints in between. And, um, there, there's something a little bit cathartic about being at the place where it ended. And, and I don't know if, if that's just, you know, in, in my own psychology and my own physiology within my brain where that's how I drive meaning or if that's maybe there's something genuinely there and I can see having some sort of of energy in that particular spot because of because it's a significant moment you know what I mean
1: right well and I and I and we're just we're, we're beings made out of energy and so like once this physical body stops that energy doesn't the energy leaves the body and so it's only natural that like some residual energy is going to get trapped in the location yeah where, where, wherever the energy is going I don't I mean I have my theories and philosophies yeah yeah I don't really believe much in an afterlife I just think like your energy just goes into the nearest thing that will accept it mm-hmm. and um like I'm that's why I don't I'm terrified to die like in a hospital <laughs> no, because I don't really want my energy being absorbed up into the like all this machinery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd rather like be absorbed into a tree out in the woods or something.
0: So here's here's what I so here's what I'm wondering. So this is this is a. I mean, obviously we're we're just speculating, right? And um, but I have wondered this a bit in in the time sense is um when. Is is it the, is it that there's something physically there with that object, or is it more like that object allows you to be? It's kind of like a conduit or a catalyst to allow you to get into that headspace where you can connect.
1: Well, um, you're the to one it. that lives by the cemetery, Like like. <laughs> There's like you know what that, like there's a re- there's a reason I would like to be cremated upon death is I don't want to by like if there's any sort of chance <laughs> right that we stick with our bodies I don't really want to be hanging out in a cemetery with, with like, everybody with body, other <laughs> these other energies because there's there's clearly energies at work in cemeteries there's shit going on there yeah yeah and, like I don't want any part of that <laughs> so <laughs> there's but that's the same thing that's just energy that's clinging to to, to this something thing, this body yeah. And so like, even if it's just a little bit of residual, that's as the bodies are decomposing energy is being released, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I don't know about like, but that's a, that's a living thing. I don't know about like an artifact or like something that, you it, know, but I guess anything that you could, that could absorb energy could. Well, I you know, I know, I know kind of like,
0: cause I know like, for example, um, when people go and they, they want to. They talk to somebody who, like a medium, right, who a lot of times they'll have them bring um, stuff that they had or something that's meaningful to them. And so I think there's maybe something to that. But there's, you know, not to get into too many details about, like, my own faith background, but, like, you know, I used to be a lot more um, in in a practicing faith than, than I am now. And one of the things I miss about that is it, there seemed like there was, there was a ritual that allowed me to get into that headspace, right. I, I don't know that because like I had meaningful experiences when I was, was, was a practicing, practicing faithful member, right. And um, but now I don't have as many of those experiences. And part of me um, they're part of the reason why is it feels silly to me to do certain activities whereas once in the past it didn't feel silly to participate in a ritual right
1: That's interesting.
0: and and so those but but participating in that ritual allowed me like it kind of gave me permission to be like yeah i'm doing this and it's i'm connecting with something right and so sometimes i wonder if like you go to these places like you go to you go to like independence hall for example and you go there and you're like okay this this is where they were, and it kind of creates this this um, environment for you, where your brain's able to be like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is what happened," and you feel this connection to the past. And so sometimes I wonder if maybe it's none of that at all. It's just it's it's a catalyst to help you connect to that space that without that thing, it's really hard for you to get into that headspace. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But for I sure. don't know. No, for sure, and and like pretty much. Like Holly has all these rituals that she does, mm-hmm. and pretty much anyone who's listening to this right now through Open Lines Radio yeah. that knows me is probably practices some kind of ritual. Yeah, yeah. My listeners are r- very heavy ritual based. They're right. They're Wiccans and right. And but I don't know if that's even people like to be called that anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <But> they, <laughs> yeah, they're at least they're very spiritual people. not yeah. necessarily with with your mainstream religions right right but it's but it's they're all about ritual and my ritual is like been i'm like the anti-ritual i hate ritual yeah <laughs> I, yeah I, I turn from it when when it doesn't matter what it is when people go into ritual i just automatically pull away and it's just interesting to hear you say that you don't do them because you feel silly and it's the same thing i feel mm-hmm. like i almost feel like like, once you know that's what the ritual's for, like, just go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's, I think that's, that's the trick. But that's just me, but I'm, I'm probably the, but, but, but I'm the, the exception because, like, the probably 99% of the world is practicing some kind of ritual.
0: Yeah. In some way. In some way. And, and I think that's honestly the trick is, 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 Giving yourself permission, you know what I'm saying, and I think some people can give themselves permission a whole lot easier than others, um, and that's where I think, in a, in a weird way, where a lot of faiths say that this is kind of the the one and only way, um, it, it it helps people preserve that idea of this is how this is what I've got to do to get there, and um, and that's where um, it's kind of interesting because in my in my mind, I think that. Um, people if they look at different faiths or different experiences being right or wrong or whatever i don't know that there is a right or wrong i think that there's many ways to have these experiences and that this is what's working for this individual and that's what allows them to have it and so great that's that's how that's how they're connecting to that to that um energy or whatever it is is through is through participating in that um like i i used to i used to pray every morning, right. I used to, on, on my way um, to work and, and just every morning it was, it was my thing. And there is, there was this very weird, cathartic, just centering of myself every day before I got started um, that I look back at now and I think, man, I could, I could probably pick that back up and still have a lot of those experiences, even though my own particular um, belief structures changed a bit. Um, that stuff still has value, right? But, sure. uh, but anyway, it's still
1: the vibration you're putting out, you know. Yeah. You, you put out positive vibration. Like, I don't, I don't want this this thing that we've got this show to get too personal. Yeah, yeah, to total. Past, but, um, our mother, uh-huh. <laughs> um, said to me once about ten years ago, uh-huh. uh huh, uh. If you would, if you just would pray, if you would just pray more, like you would see your life turn around and you would see things happen. And I was like, you clearly don't know me because every breath out of my mouth is a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like when you said like I'm constant, like through the day, like everything is like, please let this work, please let. This, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 it's it is it's not it's not it's not to the same particular god she had in mind i don't know what it's even to right but I, I i i honor it and i think it's important to be like asking the universe for its permission for you to yeah. use it you know
0: yeah something jamie always says that you know i i think she was initially saying as like uh i don't know as a joke but just as like a you just say it because that's what people say and she's hey if you want to put it out in the universe and um and it sounds silly, but I actually do that. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, you have you to. Willfully you willfully think to set about the it. intention, and you have to uh, put the vibration out.
0: And and sometimes I feel, if nothing else, it centers me around that goal or that thing that I think is of value, or gets you in the in the right headspace.
1: Or sometimes when you say it out loud, you realize how ridiculous it is. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you
0: know? Sure.
1: I can convince myself of a lot of things in my head, but when I start talking to myself, I talk myself out of them
0: exactly so so anyway so that was one thing i was kind of thinking about is is um these connections to places these connections to stuff and and is there an actual connection or is it really just a uh a, a kind of a vehicle that we use to get there and, and really probably at the end of the day probably doesn't matter because your experience you experience what you experience right and and that's kind of the end goal whether it's originated from from the actual object or or that object allows you to connect to it really who cares
1: right what do you think what do you think about anchoring to past and that's like what that's where, past, that's where that's where i that...
0: wanted to go to next is i don't know man because um i sure hope not <laughs> so that, that's because that, that spooks me out a little bit but uh I, it, time is the one that that's kind of unusual to me because you know if you if you and I, and I by no means um, even it's educated on this really in any way but they talk about how you know how much gravity there is is how fast time moves if you look at Einstein's theory of relativity and all that stuff and you get into that and it starts to kind of mess with me a little bit of of like and is time cyclical and and all that stuff um, well I don't know what do you think <laughs>
1: I've, I've, uh, the only way I've been able to, um, exist happily is to let go of the past. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, um, this is a conversation for next week. Yeah. But, um, next week we'll talk about my brief, uh, dipping of my toes into Scientology. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm excited.
1: (laughs) But, but here's the thing, like, like, as crazy as they are, like the whole basis of like how I've been been able to move from where I was at that point to now is because of um, Dianetics Mm -hmm. and how it's taking these memories that you react from Mm -hmm. or that cause you to like, like when you have a reaction, it's usually due to something that's happened to you in the past. Right. And when you can go back and take the look at your past objectively and turn that, Turn your past; these past in, events, and ter- turn them away from like being this thing that traumatized you into just being a memory. Yeah, like that's on the shelf. Like you could just put a book on the bookshelf, and mm-hmm. you know you know the memory happened, and it's there. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that causes you to react anymore. Right now, I'm by no means. <laughs> I, I still react, but like that's the thing that I've been working on—just doing like—and and it's crazy when you talk about time because that's something I've been working on doing in the moment, just trying to, as things are happening mm-hmm. in the present, mm-hmm. like immediately releasing reaction from them, right? And just like this is a thing that happened; it's a memory. It has shaped who I am, but I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna react. I'm not gonna base my reactions to life on this singular event right i don't know if that has anything to do with but but that is as far as the past goes like i don't like i have this like I, the past is just like a book yeah to me i'm trying i try but i don't know if like it's probably it's i'm sure it's much more than that but like the way that i can cope uh-huh. and the way that i can move forward with a smile on my face is that i don't know, like i i barely have memories of most of my like even a year ago you know like i I just let it go
0: yeah well and what's hard a little bit about past is you know if you look at a lot of the i've been listening to some podcasts that have talked about like recall of past events and and how we we personally use the past usually it's we're we're reconstructing it when we remember it so it's not always like an accurate depiction of of what happened it's often a reflection of what happened right and um and so that's that's the thing is that's kind of where it makes me lean a little bit of like time just keeps going and it just just obliterates it all eventually um because because even when we look back to the past it's not always really like what actually happened you know what i mean and and um but man i don't know
1: but I think that's that's okay. Like, everybody experiences everything differently. And that's, like yeah. when, that's what, what that cornball phrase, stand in your truth, is all about, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, yeah. and speak your truth. And it's like you experience something from your perspective. And it's important, too, you know? It's just as so much as everyone else is. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Yeah, man. So, so but then we have like these these things that we hold on to through the years. Yeah. That tr- like are there are that like and so now now you got to wonder are these things that like pull the past like you say are this, is it a conduit to the past or are they just triggering memories like when you have like a a stuffed animal that you had as a child and then you you come across it later in life. Well, you know that's a like that's a that's
0: an interesting thought because for me, I personally, my, my psyche, my psychology and my sons as well is I'm a very nostalgic person, right? I, I enjoy like even, even just like driving through the city and just the, the hometown that you know we were raised in and it's a sunny, quiet day uh, and you drive through neighborhoods that may be, you know, decades old. I like like to envision what life was like living in the same spot decades ago. And it, it like brings me this sense of calm and peace. And that's weird. Cause like, why, why, why does it necessarily, why does that matter? And I think, and I think that's probably honestly, um, maybe that's kind of natural. Everybody always looks back on the past as a better time. And that's maybe even a little bit of why, you know, the whole MAGA thing's big is, is we look back at the past as this, um, a better time you know and and I don't know what the value in that is and and what that even does because um you know I, I still live in this, the city we grew up in and so sometimes like I'll go running and I'll go run down the street of the house where we lived and to be honest I don't have like a million memories I've spent we were only there for so much time I spent plenty of time in other places but it feels this weird weird connection and I don't and I don't know where that comes from. And I don't know if, no, if that's just us reflecting on the the reality is, is I'm an entirely different person than I was at that time. And so maybe it's just a, a feeling of, Hey, I'm reflecting on this evolution that I've made as an individual. And so maybe that's it. Maybe that's why we, um, feel a connection is it's just kind of this chance to, to reflect and to grow, you know, um, when I was teaching, one of the practices we always did—you know—you'd write your lesson plans, and um, you would you would kind of look at okay, so I did this last year. Here's what worked, here's what didn't work, and here's what I'm going to do differently. And that's how you became a better teacher: is you reflect on how you did it in the past, and then you, you kind of move on. And eventually, that lesson is a whole lot different than what it was years later because you've made a better. Kind of idea. And so maybe that's maybe that's the 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 joy in that, or the opposite of. Crap, look back at this time and it was way better, and now it's not. Um, so I don't know.
1: Well, that's totally, um, like, like your perspective as well. Because, like, we grew up on a really great street, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. one of those streets, it was a dead end street that didn't have a lot of traffic, and there were a lot of kids our age, and we spent a lot of time outside with the neighborhood kids. But if you were to go a couple streets over. Those people are probably looking looking back at their past a little differently, mm-hmm. and and I think now it's like those kind of that kind of environment doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, and so like our kids aren't really able to live that same experience, that same. Well, I mean, even Holly, like she, where she grew up was completely different. So like she looks back at her past as as you know, like her parents always had an eye on, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where like. Like on summer days, you'd walk outside in the morning without shoes on, just heathens. You yeah. walk out in the morning and you'd come back at ten o'clock at night, and no one was looking for you. Everyone yeah. knew you yeah. were safe. You could ride your bike. You could play football. You know, we yeah. we used to hide. We used to play commandos, and everyone had fake guns. And we the whole street it was was part of the game. And you'd be, we'd be hiding in people's bushes with fake guns. Like you, if you yeah. did that now, you'd get shot. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so. Like and that's like when I hear kind of the the older generation talking about how what a shame it is that all these kids do now is play video games and Mm -hmm. it's like well what do you want them to do like they that they they've gone to a virtual world that world that we were allowed to grow up in doesn't exist right well and so so when you're when you're taking that run (laughs) Uh you are thinking back to man. Cause it really was a great place to grow a great street to grow up on. I mean, all the stuff that was going on in the background didn't even matter if you were a kid on that street.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, here's what's interesting. Okay. So, so, um, our our grandmother passed away recently. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, uh, for, for the last 15 years, I've taken care of the house. I've gone and mowed the lawns and done all this stuff. And, um, uh we this street that we lived on that was this amazing spot um when i was a teenager um we had to move from that right and there was this little kind of chaotic period where uh i had to move and I, I had to move to our grandma's we moved to a trailer and it was just this stretch and i was going through those formative teenage years around you know just trying to figure stuff out anyway so it's still like it it just was this heightened emotional time period for me at the time and it was interesting so a few months ago Um, uh, I I went over there. I was still mowing after she'd passed away because getting ready to sell the house and got the house empty and getting ready to sell. So the house was empty. It was under contract. We knew it wouldn't be there anymore. Um, I maybe had one more lawn mowing left and uh, went over there. It was evening. It was a summer evening. Went there with my son who's 13, right? So the same age I was when, when I moved to that house. We had to be there for a few months. And I remember being um, you know, th- 13 years old and in one of the rooms in that house and just sobbing because we had to leave that, that street that you were talking about and leave this house in this like this, you know, uh, the cleaver, you know, to leave it to beaver type, just awesome environment and going into who knew what was next. And, um, I remember I walked to the house with my son and just had this weird moment of like, okay, it's, it's decades later now. I, I have a child who is the age I was. and and it was super cathartic. And I don't know, and I don't know why, but it 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 was this nice moment to like look back and be like, all right, like, you know like it was, it was almost nice to like be like life kept going and and these events in the past were just in the past. And it was like closing a chapter in a weird way because you can never get to go back to that place again. And um, and it was it was sad, but not sad at the same time. And I don't know why that is, but it's it's just a nice. It's sometimes I guess sometimes it's nice to reflect on those passings and then move on for the sake of moving on, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. So so anyway. Uh, well. <laughs> any other you, ideas on emotionally that
1: emotionally <laughs> drained
0: <laughs> yeah it, you know it's 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 just like and here's the thing as i've as i've uh gotten older and and you know w- went through through some thought process in the last few years is i've come to find that really i don't know anything <laughs> and and it's like you sit and you talk about it and you're like ah well who knows who knows what this is all about and and uh, in a weird way i guess it's kind of nice um but it's nice it's nice to chat about it
1: yeah yeah Courage, um, get that stuff out. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, anything else you want to go on on that? So,
1: uh, no, I don't know. I think that's nice. I think it's a good place to stop. Next okay, week. Man. Next week, I'll talk to you about. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to really get into the practice of Scientology, but I want to talk to you about my experience—the the actual physical yeah. experience. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I want to know.
0: That's what I want to know.
1: It's, it's a great story. Yeah. And I've been waiting for the right place to tell it, so
0: Yeah, let's do it. I think we'll uh nice little inauguration episode here and then we'll 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 chat about some stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, right on, Doug okay, man. Thanks, for, right. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for uh reaching out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anytime.
1: <laughs> All right. If you uh if if you uh here here's what you need to do. You need to um, I'm not talking to you, Doug. I'm talking yeah, to the Yeah, Yeah, I got listening. it. I got it. I know that you're listening on SoundCloud. I can tell because there's only one person listening live. (laughs) So download the Mixler app, follow Art Bell is Dead, and listen live. You can feel the energy coming through the airwaves. I guarantee it. Or listen on SoundCloud, however you can. (laughs) All right, thanks so much for listening. Um, Tomorrow night, we'll be uh, back with The Sainted Path with Soraya the Great. And had her normal time, different days She's normally on Thursdays, but I was out of town. So Sunday night, you get the great Soraya the Great at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Adios. There was a guy, an underwater
0: guy who controlled
1: Ten million pounds of sludge from New York and New Jersey